Welcome to the U-Turn Podcast. This is the place to connect to who you truly are. We're bringing PhDs, experts, and leaders to help you elevate your mindset in your work life and in your love life so that you can see things differently and truly love your world. I'm Ashley Stahl. I'm a career expert, author, and TEDx speechwriter and booker, and I'm excited to bring you in to this week's episode. Okay, U-Turn friends, you know when I bring someone on here that I know it's because they have something really special. And I feel like this show has been built on true content and truly original creators. And I just am so excited to bring you today, Amanda Francis. I met her through Amanda Bucci. You've probably seen a gazillion posts of me and Amanda Bucci hanging out. We had lunch one day. And what struck me about her is her whimsical energy you don't usually match like whimsical um, California light energy with someone who's like a badass bitch at making money. And so I wanted to bring her on. She has a book that has made such a huge impact and I highly recommend you read it. It's called Rich as Fuck, More Money Than You Know What to Do With. The U in fuck is a little asterisk for those of you who are wondering how to search it. And I want to talk today with her. She's, you know, money manifestation expert queen. She has a podcast, so many resources for you. And I actually thought about having her, and I never take on affiliates as an affiliate for her bundle. It's called Drop the Money Struggle. And so I took the bundle and lo and behold, when I originally just took it to kind of see if it would be a good match as an affiliate, I got so much value out of it myself. So here we are. Uh, Amanda, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. What an intro. I mean, honestly, your life is in so much motion. You walk your talk. You walk your walk. Um, I think there's probably some people. Thank you. Yeah. um, Who they're feeling like they need some money healing. They're feeling like, okay, I... I don't believe I can manifest money. I Everything has been hard and it's always hard. And even when I think it's going to be easy, it's not easy. Um, and I know the first chapter of your book is on the energy of money. Um, can you take us into, for you, what was that moment or what was the thinking that happened to move you from like, this isn't happening to this gets to begin happening for me? <sighs> so I'm going to like, start from the beginning a little give everyone a little context give us from a place called sand springs oklahoma lower middle class family not many examples of wealthy people around me wealth did definitely did not seem accessible or for me for someone like me for someone who is from a family like i was from from a place like i was from so let's just start there so it did not seem like Yes, I can have it. Yes, I can make it. Yes, it's available. I did different things through like my youth and young adulthood to make it feel more accessible. I went to private expensive colleges I couldn't afford on student loans and surrounded myself with wealthy people. In the intro of my book, you read, or I went to the to the um, hotel pool areas of five-star resorts that I couldn't afford to stay in and just like observed the vibe and pretended like I was staying there and like checked out how people with money handled themselves. I had like the, the wisdom to know 
that different people in the world were having different experiences with money and it wasn't all practical and logical. It wasn't just where they came from or who they were from or where they were from. It seemed like there was something more to it. So I became very curious very early on of like, what was the X factor? What was the thing that made some people make it, even though it shouldn't seem like they could have? Like, what was the attitude? What was the belief system? Like, what was going on? And I discovered, like, really actually pretty simple, simply people who think they can do, people who think it's possible, find a way. I think the biggest X factor in the world is just knowing you can. It's just, let's not even say knowing you can, because it's hard to know you can when you never have. Let's say the biggest X factor in the world is the inkling that perhaps maybe you can. You know what I mean? Just the idea, the curiosity, the like leaning into what if it were possible that more were available for me? What would that mean? What would that look like? What would I have to believe to allow that in? Who would I have to be to sustain that? You know, the questions would go on and on from there. Did you know that your liver is responsible for over 500 functions every single day? So having a healthy liver really means a lot for your daily well-being. So if you're looking to cleanse your liver of unwanted elements, improve your metabolism, and maintain your body's filter to live well each day, Dose is here for you. I've been taking Dose for a while now, and I really noticed my sluggishness lifting and just feeling more attuned to my body. I also want to mention the taste is really good. So taking care of myself gets to be a little treat for my taste buds too. And you know how much I love that. If you want to give dose a try, invest in your health. They are offering the U-turn community 15% off your first order, plus another 15% off if you subscribe for a monthly delivery. So that's 30% off your first order. So head on over to dosedaily.co slash U-turn and use the code U-turn. That's D-O-S-E daily.co slash Y-O-U-T-U-R-N and use that U-turn code for 30% off. Okay. So here's for me what I've shared. And I don't know if I had time to share this with you when we had lunch because we were just kind of hanging out on a quick lunch, but I had that inkling in 2000, maybe 13. And it was before webinars and online courses were like the whole thing. It was before mm-hmm. Facebook ads. You were around. You were you were doing the flyers and doing the things. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember somebody sending me Pat Flynn and how he makes money in his sleep. And I remember thinking, how can passive income even be a thing? All I know is active income. My parents were so yeah. active in their income. So I worked super yeah. hard. To similarly, I remember reading, I read an email from Mastin around the same time, 2011. I read an email from Mastin Kip saying he had made like a t shirt that sold out overnight and he made money in his sleep. And it was like a game changing light bulb concept for me as well. Right. It's like these moments. But here's the deal my dad lost all of his money when I was a kid. He had a huge company, financial firm. A whole drama happened in the 90s. And by the time I was seven, we had a really lavish life gone and we're barely making ends meet. Um, And I grew up with this conflicting pack with myself of I'm going to make a lot of money and make everything easy for everyone because I saw Mm -hmm. how all the fun went out the window when he was stressed as hell. Mm -hmm. But 
what I would come to find in the years to follow is that I would make a lot of money after working super hard going into the debt. So the same way you went to the colleges you couldn't afford and did those loans, some people are willing to risk it, right? They're willing to take on the loans and throw it on a credit card. I'm bold like that. I And it worked out for me. Me uh, Yeah, exactly. But after a year of of doing that and being in debt, it was on my last dime, like my lying to my mom that I needed to pay rent and using the 3K for another coach um, that my stuff worked. And I ended up making $5 million in two months. And it was the first time in my life I felt like what it was in my body when money is easy, when it's like, it feels like it's coming from the sky and it's just there. And I couldn't believe that feeling. And as time would go on, my mindset couldn't hold that. And there were so many things that happened and I could make a whole thing out of it, but the entire chapter 10 of my book is about it, where I lost it all and ended up paying a half million dollars in debt in the end because I held on too long, trying to fix it, all the things, throwing money at all the problems. And it was about four years I spent paying off the debt and kind of just playing small because I just didn't, you know, I was just cleaning up a mess and it wasn't a time to take more risks when I had a half million dollars in debt. How did you get to a half million dollars in debt? So Lemony Snicket's unfortunate series of events. I think my mindset told me like my dad lost all of his money. I better be careful and get a bunch of lawyers to go through my stuff. Um, I'm making money too fast. Um, I need people to look at everything. I turned off my ads because I wanted lawyers to look at my business and give me insight. And it was like, I didn't even believe I could make that much money. And I hired all these people to help me sabotage it. By the time I turned my ads back on, it wasn't profitable anymore. And I had a half million dollars of ads I was spending a month, $100,000 in team overhead, employees, the whole thing. And I spent an entire year trying to fix it and in denial instead of just cutting the business and saying, I'm letting this cash flow come in and I'm going to try again later. So I ended up with nothing and paying off debt. And I'm back in an era of my life where I want to play big. And I know that there are so many people listening where maybe they haven't had millions and gazillions of dollars coming in and they haven't had that massive pivot point, but maybe they've had a moment in their life where money Mm -hmm. seemed to just be working for them. Even if it wasn't a lot, there was a flow and Uh they feel like they got out of the flow. Their mindset got them. They've been working on themselves. They're back. They're ready. Where do we begin once we get that inkling again, where we believe we can heal, we can start to manifest, like how do we kind of flip that script um, if we feel ready and we're scared, but we have that inkling again of this is possible? Yeah, no, it's such a good question. I think it's where like all growth and inspiration comes from is this place of like, okay, I'm ready for more. I'm going to do bigger. Like the time is now. So I think for me, it's all the the first step of new growth always is very, very simple. It's getting clear on what I want. What do I really, 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 really want? And the way I ask it in the book and the way I've asked it to clients for years is if no one would be mad at you, if anything were possible, if you couldn't fuck it up, if anything really, really, really were possible, what were you want? What would you want? And it's not that that first thing that you say or write down has to be the thing that you go for, or even the thing that ends up actually happening. It's that 
I think our relationship with our desires is probably the most important thing to getting anywhere. We have to be really, really, really honest with ourselves in an ongoing basis about what we really, really want. So my first question to myself always is what do I really, really, really want? I could really have anything and it would work out no matter what. And then when I know what I want, well, then it's, you know, the steps kind of show up from there. Because when I'm holding a vision, I believe this, when we hold a vision towards something, the steps to it begin to show up. So the practical actions, the inspired actions, the intuitive hits, all the different things kind of line up together, whether it's someone we're going to hire, someone we're going to work with or a mentor we need or a book we should need. I think when we have a vision for where we're going, we know it's possible, like we said in the beginning, all of our actions, all of our actions, even the ones that seem like they aren't, are moving us toward it. You know what Mm. I mean? I love that. And one question I have as we follow this line of thinking is that there's a lot of people that are in so much visioning that they're not even in the present. Do you know what I mean? It's like there's such a fine line sometimes between what feels like desires versus delusions. Like how do we (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Because here's what I'm I'm thinking. I have a lot of amazing friends in our circle, um, mutual friends, where sometimes it feels like they're so far in the future, always like looking at open houses that they can't afford or yet, right? Mm-hmm. And trying to be in that manifestation energy that it just feels like we're all deluded. Do you know what I mean? Like, where is that Uh, yeah I actually hate that energy that's not ever been my like there is a lot of that like in personal development world and coaching world and I honestly think it's kind of bizarre yeah so like for me and I've been I've had this business for 12 years I've been doing personal development work since I was like 13 probably I can honestly say that from the beginning to now I've never had to lie to myself or anyone else to hold a vision you know what I mean So like, I've never gone to an open house I couldn't afford. And there's nothing wrong with doing that if that puts you in the energy of a thing, truly puts you in the energy of it. But when is it kind of lying? And when is is it delusional? And what are you saying to the real estate agent when they're asking you, like, if you're interested in the house? Like, something about it to me has a big inauthenticity. It's not personally what I would do. For me, this is just me. For me, everything I've created has been like, okay, I want it. And I know that's the direction I'm going. To me, being in the energy of it, how do I say this? It's a lot of how I speak to myself. Like I tell, I've been telling the story for years that a long time ago, I was driving around Dallas, Texas when I was in grad school in my beat up um, Mitsubishi Montero Sport. I haven't named that car in a long time. I was driving around in my beat up car going, I am a millionaire. I am a millionaire. I am a multimillionaire. But it didn't feel like lying. It felt like intending. It felt like putting energy in a direction of, and I wasn't saying it to anyone besides me. You know what I mean? Like, right, right. Hence the authenticity piece for me. Well, there's something about that moment for you in the Mitsubishi where you felt it. And I think a lot of people, it's like, we feel like a weird bobblehead where we're like, I'm a millionaire. I'm a millionaire. We don't believe it. Yeah. And I've had that moment before my success where I'm like, I feel the thousands of people buying this course. And they did, but I couldn't up. So for me, stabilizing energy is like, so if I want something and I'm like reaching toward it, I'm visioning it. And like you said a minute ago, what what makes you feel it? For me, words, affirmations, journaling, are one way where I can really feel it, talking about it, writing about it. Other people might really feel it, like you said, from going to the open house or driving the car, whatever, envisioning driving it. Like, 
my visioning has lots of words to it because that's what is most real for me. Some people, there's a section on my book in this. Some people do it through movement, visualization. We can go on and on. Okay. So that's like step one is like you're in the vibe of it, right? So you're in the vibe of it. You know, the thousand people are signing up, then you do. So what do we do from there to stabilize it? So essentially it has to become normal for us. It can't be like a, oh, this one thing I kind of pulled off one time. It has to be like, not just this is something I did. It has to become, this is who I am. Like, this is who I am. I am someone that calls in these kind of people every time I open an off- an author, an offer. And the bridge from, I did it one time to this is who I am, you know, in the, in our physical world, like in our physical plane, it, it can be some time of doing it on repeat and confronting the fear that came up each time we did it of whether it wasn't good enough, whether people didn't like it, you know, what have you. So there might be different fears and different edges as you just go through the human process of doing the thing again and again and again. But I do believe it can become, and it doesn't have to take forever, but I do eventually believe it, believe it can come. It can become a, this is just how I operate. This yeah. is just how I be. Okay. You know? So when the, the moment of saying, I'm getting in the vibe, whatever that means for you, bless if it's going to the houses or if it's sure. the journaling, whatever it is. Um, what about those little monsters floating around in the soup of your brain that are saying, like saying the things to you, like you can't have it. So for example, Mm -hmm. I'm vibing again. Um, I'm back at, at being me with my career. I took so much time off. My business was like a slow soup simmer. It was doing great, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't playing big until now. Now, um, I've, I've been, I've written 40 Ted talks for billionaires in the past year and we've placed 30. Oh, that's a fun job. What an interesting thing to do. Well, but we we also have a booker that we work with that placed 39 of them on the Ted stage. So it's like a Ted talk in a box it's written and it's booked. And I believe in the offer. I'm excited about the offer. I put it out there. It's a high end offer. I know some people listening, maybe you're not entrepreneurs and it's more of a corporate thing. So we'll get into that too. Um, And I feel people kind of trickling in, but their energy is medium. It's like, okay, I'm interested. I want to talk. Oh, okay. I'll think about it. Right. And I don't know if that's, it, it feels like I'm not being met with the strength of belief that I have in the thing that I'm offering. I know that this my TED Talk has changed my life. Like it is a top 100 talk. It has offered me more opportunities, a half million spokesperson contract, like just so many opportunities that I want for other people out there who have a story. So whatever that goal is that people are, this is what I'm working on right now. What do you say when they're met with medium energy or they they start to doubt like, God, I really thought I was feeling it, but it's not happening because I'm sure that this is the next thing that happens for most people if they're not getting immediate results. Yeah. I think the moment of like your faith being tested is a very like pivotal and normal part of the whole process. Like the it's working, but it's not working as well as I want to. Yeah. I think if we just take everything and feedback, everything in life and the manifestation process, everything, and because we're manifesting always, whether we know it or not, if we just take every single thing in life as like feedback to who we were being and how we were vibrating and like what we were thinking, then we can just kind of see what there might be to tweak, you know, what in me feels afraid for people to really want this 
what if this really, really, what in me is afraid for this to really take off? What in me thinks someone might be mad at me if it does? What in me thinks I might be excluded if it does? What in me thinks I'll be doing something outside of what I really want to do if it does? Not that that would apply to you, but you know what I'm saying? Like, well, we maybe that's have the case. The There's a little slice. Right. A little slice. We have of we don't in our minds where we kind of, we just aren't really fully fucking wanting it. And so then we kind of attract weird things that people who don't really fully want it because we're not all the way behind it. And that's not even bad. It's like not even bad. It's like not even really that much of a problem. It just shows you where there's like a tweet, you know? Right. Right. Okay. So when your faith is being tested, maybe you get feedback like, okay. Or another question being like, what little slice of the thing do I feel fully behind that I'm actually not behind? Right. Cause offers, whether yeah. it's entrepreneurial or like a career thing, you want the job, but this part of it, you really don't want to do. Right. Right. Um, so how do well, you, yeah, like, let that? me give you an example. I've been renovating this house for like, fucking forever i've been renting this house for a year and a half why do i not that's good it's getting there it's almost finished well because i don't want to live over here i really don't want to live in bel-air it is so far away from my daily life i can't walk to anything it's so annoying like i don't want to live over here so Mm. like it's kind of truly inside of me okay that this renovation goes on for my entire life because i want to live in beverly hills where i live (laughs) you know okay this is so that's the thing Eventually, I'm going to finish this house. We're really close. Eventually, I'm going to finish this house. I'm going to move in. I'm going to live in it for a time. But the way I've reconciled the whole thing, so I stopped like being okay with the delays and the construction, is I got a place. I got a I got a lease in Beverly Hills. So like I own this house and I'm leasing over there. And I think I'm going to go ahead and buy over there. Because then if I own over there and I own over here, then there's no resistance to this house being finished because I'm not committed to always being here. And then the whole thing as we all know, when there's less resistance, when there's less something in us fighting back, it all starts to kind of flow. You know what I mean? So then I love that example. And I was also coming up is the thought for someone who's like, I want the thing and I'm going to question all the parts of me that doesn't actually want it. And I'm going to make some tweaks. Um, So you made a tweak on in your outer world. Obviously there's probably some inner tweaks that people want to make with their belief system and like forgiving themselves for their limitations and reworking what they're telling themselves. What about Mm -hmm. scarcity? What about, um, and I I know you're going to have an opinion on this when people are like, well, what about the market? Maybe the market doesn't want this. Maybe this is a bad time for this, right? Like um, what's your response for somebody who's like, maybe people don't want to buy my product, even though I'm fully behind it. Maybe it's just, there's just not a desire for it. So I was with someone the other day who does, this isn't the only thing she does, but she does some coaching. And she was talking about her, her and all of her friends are finding that their coaching and their courses just aren't making money right now. And it was interesting because I'm listening to her speak, but I'm going, you decided it was true and you decided it was true and you decided it was true. Then you all validated it for each other. And now it seems like an ultimate truth, but it is not an ultimate truth. There are still plenty of people on the planet interested in personal development. Y'all are just all validating each other's thing and blaming the economy. There are plenty of people still making money in those two spaces of online education and coaching. There are plenty of people. And like, Maybe these women who are struggling, maybe it's a tweak in mindset, maybe it's a tweak in offers and branding, because as someone who's been in personal development for all this time, like the environment will evolve, like the people most will and change, and you'll find yourself seeing led to tweak price points and offers and things and whatever. But I don't think that anything ultimately just doesn't work because of some external whatever, because the economy can 
be crap, but if someone really wants something, they're going to find a way to do it, you know? Yeah. I love that answer. And, you know, I always say on this show, like every now and again, I'll never forget being in a mastermind where this woman had a website of Scottish terrier figurines and she was making like a million dollars a year on these like little dog toys. They're not even toys, they're figurines. Like they just sit there. So it just shows. Right. Um, Right. I coach people definitely like out, like outside of like normal spaces. Like I've always been, I never wanted to be, I don't do mentorship anymore. But back when I was doing business coaching, I, I refused to be a business coach that coached business coaches, which meant I had a whole variety of people who made money in the most interesting ways. I remember there was a time when the stock market was like going downhill and I had a girl who was just like making a hundred thousand dollars a day in her stock game because that was like her thing. Yeah. I don't like yeah, we could go on and on, you know, Scottish yeah. figurines. Yeah. Stock market growth when the economy is crashing, et cetera. Okay. So let's say somebody's totally with us. They're listening. They're feeling the vibe of what they want. Um, they're questioning where they're in resistance of what they want. And they're starting to come up with inspired ideas. They feel fully behind it. And it's moving slow. Um, what what mantras or how do you talk to yourself when something's in the process and it hasn't made its big hit yet? Like I've got incredible speechwriters. People are trickling in. I feel fully behind it. And I'm ready for the overflow. Like, I'm ready. I'm like, come on in, TED speakers. I want this year's cohort to be double last year's. Um, mm-hmm. And I've done the work. I'm like, okay, what what is your manifestation process around getting inspired ideas um, to take action? Because you were talking about, like, the book is going to come in front of you. The idea, you're going to feel a pull. Um, what would you have to share with everybody who's trying to ideate and get that creative thinking going on what could work to move forward? So I think for me, the best inspired action comes when I'm like moving, you know? So there's like that. It's like, it's not a Bible verse. It's like a saying something like bow your head, but move your feet. Like, you know, set an intention, hold a vision, pray, do whatever you do, but don't just like sit and wait for like someone to show up on your doorstep necessarily. You know what I mean? So for me, when so back early in my business, when I was first like really like working out these principles for myself, like say I wanted to attract people into an offer and I was talking about it online, I would get online, I would be in the space where I wanted to be attracting people. So I'd be writing my inspired Facebook posts, I'd be engaging and doing a bit of supporting in Facebook groups, I would, you know, I would be like in the spaces I want to be. But every single thing I was doing, I was doing with the intention of this is filling up my offer and this is creating everything I want, even if it wasn't directly. You know what I mean? I made it to where inside of me it was. I had it like everything was getting me there. So I was moving and doing everything I knew to do always. And then to me, when you're in that space of like moving and believing, I think the gaps kind of get filled in. You know what yeah. I mean? The right things kind of show up and it kind of starts to like gel. I love that. I love that. And it reminds me like when I started my career coaching business, I feel like I had like two clients and I was at like a networking event over a decade ago. And I remember this woman being like, you're a career coach. Like, how old are you? You know? And just, I was in this like unwavering, like, this is what I'm up to. And this is who I'm being. And like, yeah. And, you know, like two years later, she hired me, which was so funny. Um, But point being, you know, 
people who are in this process, um, I would imagine that they have all sorts of different financial circumstances. Maybe they're in debt and they're just like, how the how the fuck am I going to manifest my side business and get into all this action and this belief when I've got this big old hole like I had for four years that was pulling on my energy because nothing has zapped my energy quite like a huge amount of debt that needs to be paid quickly. Like um, yeah. I had interest on those cards and all this stuff. So can you talk a little bit about your your thoughts about debt for people who are maybe financially struggling or they're barely just making ends meet every single month and that's their reality. Okay, so debt. I went on a big riff on this on an Instagram live the other day and it was so good. So what I believe about debt is one, it's a choice to pay something off over time. So I've never shamed myself for like having a lot of student loan debt when I got out of like grad school. I put undergrad and grad school and my PhD program until I quit my PhD program, like all mostly through student loans. But I did it intentionally. I didn't do it as like, oh my God, I don't know how I'm going to pay these off. And I didn't do it like ever knowing that someday there would be government assistance paying off people's loans. I just believed that if I was like investing in the career and the life I wanted, you know, like I have some counseling, even though I knew the average counseling career couldn't pay off the debt. I just believed that if I did the things I want to do and put myself in the spaces that I wanted to be with the intention that I would help a lot of people and make a lot of money, then like I would. And I did, you know? Mm -hmm. So first belief about debt is it's a choice to pay something off over time. It's not good or bad. Like we got to stop shaming ourselves for debt. I also used credit cards a lot in the beginning of my business because it was what I had to leverage. Like I have a mortgage on this house. Because why? Because it would be better to have a mortgage on this house at a low interest rate and keep a lot of my cash invested, making more. Like, you know, like debt is not bad. We can use debt in various ways. Some of them might be more or less wise, but debt in itself is not good or bad. Even when we've made decisions that weren't super wise, it is not innately good or bad. So I think when we left our, let ourselves off the hook about debt and drop a lot of the guilt and the shame around debt, we can just look at it and be like, okay, this is the amount of debt I have. So when I had like $200,000 of student loan debt, I remember like, you know, I paid the minimum, I paid like income contingent, I paid blah, 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 whatever. And then eventually I was like, okay, I'm going to look at this damn thing and make a real plan. I was like, I can get this paid off in seven years if I pay this much every month. And that's way better than 35 years or whatever. So like I made a plan. I was very active in that plan. But that's not actually how I ended up paying it off. So let me rewind to my second point about debt I really want to make. My second point is my belief system that overflow eliminates debt. So what is overflow? Overflow is just more than enough. It's after you pay your bills, pay your employees, pay off your credit card, blah, 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 put some in savings, make your investments. There is still some left over. To me, that is overflow. So after spending years really focusing on earning money, receiving money, generating money, I played a lot with like spending money and using money and enjoying money. Then I played more with like, well, how what about saving money and putting some aside and then using it for cool things like buying a house? And, and then eventually I really got to this place of like more than I know what to do with, which, you know, is, this, is the tagline of my book. So in my more than I know what to do with belief overflow, the act of allowing so much in that everything's taken care of, and then there's still more extra, that overflow will naturally eliminate debt because there will be cash there and there won't be any place it has to be. And so the way my student loans were eventually paid off 
is I was running my business and living my life. It was actually the year two twenty, the year 2020 when all of us were supposed to be like, everything was supposed to be going to shit. And one month, like I went and I paid my bills and I paid my company credit card and I paid my personal credit card and I did this and I did that. I did my things. I put like a hundred thousand dollars away in savings and I had $87,000 left. And I was about to like, think about what fun, cool thing I could do. You know, should I like save it? Should I invest it? Whatever. And like something in my soul was like student loan. I was like, really? I'm going to, is that, I was like student loan. And I went and checked and I owed like 86999 or something left. And I was like, oh my God, I'm paying off my student loans today. But my overflow eliminated my debt. My stress did not eliminate my debt. Okay. I love this so much. And I know, and I have a lot more questions about it. I know that there's some people listening that are like, what if I don't even know what I want to offer? Like, that's cool, Ash, that you write TED Talks for people and book them. That's cool, Amanda, that you have courses and you know what you want to do. And cool for the Scottish terrier figurine lady. But I don't even know what the fuck I want to create. I don't even know what kind of job I want to have. What about the like, and, and, I, and I feel like we live in a world I used to think before I was a career person that like the whole like everybody has something special was cheesy because I still have like I used to work in, you know, national security. I still have this like hard ass military person somewhere in me, but not really. Yeah. Um, and then when I started working in career coaching, I was like, that's not true. Everybody does really have this like fuzzy something special. So how do you recommend someone even start to tune in? to what they want to offer or what they want. Because you kind of started with like, well, what do you want? And some people are like, I don't know. Okay. So I'll start with this. There might, okay. There might be a lot in the way between you and knowing what you want or being honest about what you want, like at this moment. But most of what's in the way is like programming. Like it's mostly things you're not admitting to yourself because of your society, your family, your religion, like whatever. But underneath all of that, I do think we actually all know. Yeah. And one question I've been asking people for a really long time, trying to break down that bullshit to get them to tell me the truth about what they want, you know, is like, okay, you don't know. I understand that you don't know. But if you did know, what might it be? And I think when we start like asking ourselves a lot of questions like that, there's a lot of like, honesty hiding inside of us. And I do think we know. Back when I was like in school, you know, for counseling and knowing I wanted to motivate and inspire people and knowing I wanted to make money and knowing I wanted to help people and not knowing what it was yet, mind you, coaching wasn't even barely a thing. I'd never heard the word of my life in my life. Like even before, like I, I knew I had, I had inklings about it and it's like, I couldn't see it yet, but I could feel what it might be like to help people and make money and for that to be my purpose. Like there was there were clues inside me way before there was anything else, you know? It's so true. And, um, you know, we're talking a lot about ideation, words, beliefs. Um, I feel like sometimes when people think about making money, there's this um, schism between masculine and feminine energy. Like there's the one in us that wants to pursue and push And then there's one of us that wants to lay back and it just happens. Like, how do you navigate that with yourself? Because in the early days of your business, I know you were like putting up flyers and there's a lot of like masculine energy and like doing that, right? Like going and saying, make it happen, make it happen, make it happen. Make it happen. Right. So what would be your words for someone who's like 
fuck, I'm tired. I am pushing so hard. Um, I mean, I know I would say like, sometimes you got to work really hard and push really hard. Um, but what, what would be your feedback? I mean, I don't know. I guess for me, the way it all balanced out, because there was like a make it happen season right. that was invigorating, that was like probably really great for me. It just felt like empowering and taking my power back. And then there was a make it happen season later that was less sustainable because I'd been doing it for a really long time. And I was kind of like burning out. Yeah. So in that season of, okay, I'm burning out, I did a lot of like leaning back. What is it like to make my effort? So, you know, in my case to write and send the sales email to show up for, you know, something on social media at that time, it would have been like a live stream. What is it like to do my actions? But then just at the end of the day, lean back and be in a receptive state of everything's coming to me. So it was a lot of that. Like, what is it like to have both? And now more time has gone on. You know, I've hired more team. I have more support. Like I probably, I got, had to get really good at delegating. That wasn't like a natural strength of mine. Really good at like trusting people. Um, really good at letting everyone on my team become better than me at their job. I simply really do have a lot of time and space, like all that efforting and working and all that stuff mixed with the leaning back and receiving did eventually afford me a life with like more space and time and choice. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I didn't ever say I need to be more feminine. I'm being too masculine or whatever. That's not how it sounded for me. I, like those are those are valuable ways to talk about it for sure. But for me, it was just like, okay, if this is, isn't sustainable, what would be? And what direction am I trying to move? And that involved, like I said, a lot of team support. I love that. Okay. So I know a lot of people, maybe like me, they're going to start to get some momentum as they do what we're talking about. And then sometimes there's self-sabotage, right? Like in my case, it was hiring a bunch of lawyers to make sure that there was nothing wrong with me being that successful and turning off my ads. Yeah. Um, So I went from, you know, negative 100K to $5 million in two months. And then a year later, negative 500K. So I'm smarter. I'm wiser now. It's hilarious to me that I went on a speaking tour about failure and got like an agent and all in a book deal about it. So it's, it's so funny to make (laughs) lemonade out of these things, but it's really hard time. Yeah. Yeah. And it did, it does affect your beliefs and you get burnt out. Right. And sometimes, you know, self-sabotage comes from burnout or whatever it is. Um, What would you have to say for someone who can we out them and help them see if they're self-sabotaging? Like, what are some ways that that might look? Are you looking for things that are wrong when something is possibly wrong? Are you focusing on it? Are you focusing on the potential solution around it? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think I have a strength in assuming most things are okay most of the time. And when it turns out something's not okay, knowing it's really fixable, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's like life is short, but it's also kind of long. Like there's time to quit. Life is so long. There's yeah. a lot of time to have lots of phases to try a lot of things out, to have a lot of trial and error and a lot of growth. I think that for sure. I think that too. And um, I know that people are listening to you and they're going to get inspiration, but sometimes they're not comfortable with money. And I know you write about this in your book. Um, and that can be self sabotage, right? Like I make. 10,000 a month, but I spent 10,500. 
how do you, how do we start to rewire that? I think that specifically what you said of spending more than I have is really more than anything an energetic pattern. And I think that because people do at a million dollars or 10,000, like you just said, or a hundred, the pattern of either I always have enough or I have a little less than enough, or I have a little more than enough, but I never have this much more than enough is I think really simply what we've gotten used to. And we have standards and availability around. And when we watch our life, and every single person listening can do this. If you watch your life, you will notice that you have these certain standards around money that you never have less than this in an account, but you never have more than this. You never have less than this step, but you never have more than this step. Most people have these kind of like set standards and we don't realize they're completely man-made. Like we completely made them up mm. and lived our life around them. Mm. And um, I know so a lot of people have beliefs like you're you're not a good person if you have a lot of money. You're separate from other people. I felt really alone when I made a lot of money because I didn't want to tell my struggling friends like, oh, my God, I just got rich all of a sudden. You know, like we did our Wednesday night dinners. And for so many dinners back in the day, they would be like, how's your webinar course thing? And like they were used to it for like a year. Every Wednesday it was like, oh, I'm still in debt. But one person bought this week on my webinar and. Hopefully they don't. Wait, you made five million dollars and you're pretending like one person bought. No, I mean like for like a year, it was like failure city until it was successful. But I was doing what you talked about. I believed in it. So there was there was part of the year it was like I was putting money into Facebook ads and spent three thousand dollars and then made four sales on a thousand dollar product. Oh shoot, I got a refund. I broke even and I worked super hard to like do this whole like I felt like a monkey, you know, dancing with with audience, you know. So what would you um? have to say around people's beliefs or how can they start to heal once they start to see these limits? I know that you also studied, you know, counseling. So you have plenty of psychology back tools as well for people to kind of rewire. Yeah. So for me, when I identify a pattern, like when I go, oh, somehow this course makes the same amount every year. Or somehow this investment account right here never really goes above this amount or anything. Like I've had clients where it's literally been like, I'll, I'm, I'm willing to have one eviction notice, but never be evicted. Like, but it's something that happens over and over and over. Once you identify the pattern, you can just go like, oh, that is something I made up. It doesn't have to be that way. And it is not this way for a lot of other people. It might be this way for like my family or my friends or my community, but it's not this way for millions of other people. So if I were to be the one to break this norm and break this mold and break this like standard I somehow accidentally set or was set for me that I fell into, what would I want to do instead? And it can be so small. It can be like, you know, it can be increasing your like salary cap by a hundred dollars a month. It can be increasing that savings amount or checking account amount by like such a small amount, but just believing it can be a little bit more than you've ever allowed it to be. And then a little bit more from there. I think an incremental increase is way more powerful than a $5 million that you can't handle. You know what I mean? Right. And I know a lot of people feel like, especially entrepreneurs, they're looking at their side businesses, maybe side hustles, and their income's not consistent. What would be your message around that process? Like, okay, I want to change this pattern, but I don't have consistency. I can't automate a $100 increment because some months I'm in the hole, some months I'm in excess. But we can really stabilize that. So as you know, like I've been an entrepreneur for forever now. 
Yeah. And I found that like by my own accord, by my own decision and willingness, like I, my company has never fluctuated. We've always, like once I hit an amount, I have found over and over again that there's the opportunity to like stabilize that amount to make it consistent. And it doesn't have to be a amount. It's usually like a range. Like I never have less or more than kind of like my range. And my range is simply what we're available for, like we've been saying. So when you, so the first step really is realizing, like I said earlier, that it's all man-made. It's all stuff you made up. So right now they just have a really big availability. They have a really big range. They think it's normal to have an in-depth month and then have a huge month. And they think the roller coaster is part of the entrepreneurship, but actually it doesn't have to be because there's other entrepreneurs with other experiences. You know what I mean? There's people who do exactly what I do living on the roller coaster and I'm not. Why? Right. Because I decided not to be. Like that's not something I'd ever be available for. So because I'm completely unavailable for that, then the inspired actions, which eventually inspired like the actions that I've done over time become strategy. And strategy that you do over time kind of becomes a business model. You know what I mean? So it is backed by a business model of selling digital courses every month, you know, but it wasn't always. It was consistent. The income was consistent way before I had everything in place to maintain that consistency. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And I know that, you know, in business, like sales is a thing, like there are strategies and tactics and da, da, da. What would be your message for people that are like, I'm behind this. I'm doing this. I haven't closed any sales this month. I'm having faith. I'm in action. Um, is there anything that you do when you are in a sales energy, um, supporting what you're doing? Um, any message you have for entrepreneurs who are kind of like stepping up and wanting to sell and wanting to get behind what they do? Be really fucking jazzed about it. And be really connected to the service of it. I think service, for those of us who want to like make a difference, service will transcend most anything. Like when you know that it's going to really help people, help people, help their families, help their community, and really help you really grow what you're trying to create. I think staying connected to like why this is so meaningful and needed for people and how it is so like life changing for them. For me, that makes selling just like a sacred act of giving them an opportunity and letting them know how I can help them. And and that's different than being worried about feeling like salesy or just trying to sell something or they're just going to think I want their money. It's like, no, I have something really important for them. Right. I love this so much. And those of you who are getting inspired by this, which I know you are, I cannot recommend enough that you go to ashleystall.com slash money, check out her drop the money struggle bundle. I'm so excited to be offering this. It is, I think, affordable for what it is and an incredible investment with so much content, like swim in that content, steep in it like a freaking tea bag. If you want to work on your money mindset, get Amanda's book. I think you're doing such cool work, Amanda. Have I not asked you something that I should be asking you that you would want to share? No, you, you really covered a lot. It's very thorough. Very good. Thank you very much. I like to get my jobs done, you know? Amazing. Yeah, <laughs> good work. Got the job done. Okay. Where can everyone uh, start in learning about you past ashleystall.com slash money? XO Amanda Francis on Instagram. I have daily content on Instagram. I have reels. I have stories. I have posts. I have all the things. 
we talk about money. We talk about, because I'm a mom and a stepmom, we talk about money and we talk about relationships. We talk about family. We talk about parenting and we talk more about money and we talk about money and how it intersects with all the other things I just named. Um, my book, like we said, is rich as fuck. If you go into Amazon and you type rich as it starts auto-populating, you will find it. Oh, and I have tons of free meditations that are so good on the YouTubes. I have all kinds of stuff. If you Google me, you'll find stuff. I love this so much. Thank you so much for making the time. Of course. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for tuning into the U-Turn podcast. And thank you again so much for our sponsors. We are here because of you and to our listeners. Thank you for checking out our sponsors. We always pick people and brands that we trust and we believe in. And just for listening to the show, writing your reviews on the Apple app, and just being willing to make your own U-Turns. We'll see you next week. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you wanna learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.